Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you a little? Are you worried? Ridiculous, Morgan. My boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week 16 of the college football season. I would just call it championship week, but in this weird year, we've got uh, a bunch of random other games being played as well. Uh, got a really great show this week. A uh, couple friends of the pod, Danny Dimes and Tommy Vegas, join the show. We're going over all 10 conference championship matchups, telling you all the angles, uh, where to bet, and uh, and I think we're, uh, we've got some really insightful stuff for you there. So hopefully and help everyone out there win some money if they so choose. So I'll keep this pretty short. Um, in terms of what we saw in week 15, obviously uh, the Florida LSU outcome was just bananas from the, the shoe throwing to the fog to the great field goal attempts by really both sides, um, two, two really good kickers in that game. You know, does that knock Florida out of the playoff? That kind of then leads into the entire conversation about the committee. And given that we're so close to actually having the final rankings... I'm not going to waste my time or your time or my energy getting mad about the committee because, listen, in, in five days, we're just going to have the answers. And then if necessary, I'll get mad then. But there's no sense in getting mad now, despite the fact that they continue to do things that just don't make any sense. And then the people talking about the committee say things that don't make any sense. Let me just put one thing to rest really quickly. And this is going to sound weird coming from me because I've been anti-Ohio State this entire year. But the thought that Ohio State was all of a, all of a sudden going to drop in the rankings, I heard Kirk Herbstreit today say, well, if Ohio State was going to fall, it would have happened last week or this week. And, and you know, now we can pretty much say it's not going to happen. Why on earth would Ohio State have fallen in the rankings last week or this week? I, I understand the the thought that Kirk Herbstreit has is because they're not playing games, but they were made number three in the rankings after going 1-0. and so if they were number three based on playing one game, why would they fall based on playing five games or, or what they'll end up playing six games? It's ridiculous that they're up that high, but the committee made it very clear by making them number three at 1-0 and that they were going to be in this for the long haul, and it doesn't matter how many games you play. So that's my only thought there. Um, in terms of who actually has a chance at this playoff, you know, if, if crazy upsets happen, who knows? There could be more teams than we think. But, uh, you know, if, if everything holds uh, this week with with Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State all winning, I feel pretty comfortable saying that we're going to have a playoff of Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. And at that point, really just seeding uh, will be the only thing. And then, you know, we'll get a little bit of does the committee intentionally avoid um, a rematch because, you know, assuming that Notre Dame stays within 20 points of Clemson, I would have to think that that the rankings would be Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame 3, and Ohio State 4. But that being said, that would, you know, lead to uh, a, a third match between the two um, in the semifinal. And who knows, maybe the committee actively wants to avoid that and they drop Notre Dame to 4. Um, so we'll get to, uh, we'll get to all the games 
Um, again, not much to uh, to talk about. I do. I guess this will be my final. Uh, or actually, no. I'll I'll talk about Devonte Smith for Heisman next week. But uh, certainly uh, a hill that I am very much on the top of. Uh, Devonte Smith should be the Heisman Trophy winner um, unless something very strange happens in this final week of the season. And lastly, folks, get some get some debraga meats. They're so delicious. Um, you know, you'll hear a little bit about my escapades a little later in the show, but uh, let's just say I think I ate some undercooked pork, and I feel stronger than ever. So imagine if I'd cooked it properly, how strong I would be. I would be so strong. Um, shout out to, uh, to listener Ferk, who I don't have confirmation or anything, but uh, was certainly uh, asking me questions about the meat buying process. So he's a serious, uh, he's a serious purchaser, and, and I think uh, shout out to him for, for making what I assume was a purchase. And also maybe this puts a little pressure on, uh, on listener Garchi to step up to the plate as well. So, uh, so Debraga, D-E-B-R-A-G-G-A. Uh, debraga.com. If you're in the you know greater uh, New York area, go to local.debraga.com. You know you cut out the shipping costs. Uh, you get some lower price items, not as big selection, but still a really nice option. And then you know if if you want the full selection, just debraga.com, and that's where you're going to use promo code SCOOP S C O O P. You're going to get 15% off your first order. You're going to love it. And with that, I don't think I've left anything out. Let's move ahead to my conversation with Danny Dimes and Tommy Vegas. All right, and as promised, I am now very happy to be joined by two friends and uh, the the stars of of last year's Championship Week preview podcast. I, uh, I welcome back to the show Tommy Vegas and Danny Dimes. What's going on, guys? What's up, Steve? I think that was a that was a nice introduction. Although I think you were the star after going what was it nine and one? Nine and one. Thank you. And Tommy, what's up? How's it going? Good to be back. Hopefully, we can uh, add to your your greatness this year. Well, you mentioned last year's nine and one, and if I remember correctly, I needed seven and three or better to get into the black for the season. And unfortunately, I find myself in a similar predicament this year. Where uh, we're picking ten games today, I need to go eight and two to get into the black this year. Now, if there are a couple pushes in there, six and one would do it. Uh, seven and two would also do it. So I need to go somewhere between six and one, seven and two, or eight and two, depending on the number of games being played. I hope um, I hope I'm up for it. Uh, I, you guys, I'm not going to let you guys sway me after you you tried. Unfortunately. It, didn't uh, didn't succeed last year, but uh, but hopefully between the three of us we can give some insights uh, to the listeners out there. Before we get into the football, uh, we're we're kind of at the uh, the halftime, if you will, of the show. Either of you want to give a uh, give a quick try to an ad read? <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. All right, I'll just I'll if if none of you want to. I mean, Tommy, you've sampled the delicious sausages. Any anything that you like? I have. I have sampled, but I don't know if that's in my skill set. All right, I'll, I'll just handle sit, it. Stick to giving out winners. I'll handle it in the uh, bit of a tenant situation here. I will be recording the first half of the podcast after this, so I'll go back in time, record it. Um, I will note that I uh, I, di- I do think I undercooked some uh, pork chops tonight, and 
We'll see how the next 24 hours goes. But to the football we go, this glorious madness. Let's start with the Conference USA Championship. 7 p.m. on Friday night. We've got UAB at Marshall. This, both these teams have just played weird, disjointed schedules with long breaks in between games. Um, you know, Marshall just lost to Rice. Um, I don't know. I can't keep track of the weeks. I think it was like a week and a half ago at this point. Um, but maybe it was just this past Saturday. Again, I can't keep track of these weeks. Um, and UAB did beat Rice. Rice is a bad enough team that that was probably just a weird blip for Marshall. So, uh, anyway, with that, it's kind of the backdrop. Danny, why don't you get us started? What, uh, what takes should we have going into this UAB Marshall conference champion conference USA championship game? You are on mute, I think, or we, it's not showing us on mute, but all of a sudden we can't hear you after we could hear you. Can you hear me? We can now hear you. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, so maybe this is a, a sentimental pick. Uh, maybe it's because I love the movie We Are Marshall, and I uh, you know, had a crush on Kate Mara ever since that movie, who's amazing in A Teacher, for those uh, who need a good show recommendation. Uh, but for those that streaming, are here for winners... Streaming on FX on Hulu, for those who are wondering. <laughs> for those that are here for winners, uh, I'm going with Marshall. I believe the line's minus five and a half. Um, they do seem like a team of destiny this year to me. Uh, it has been 50 years, believe it or not, since that horrific plane crash. Um, I think, as you mentioned, they did have a baffling loss to Rice recently. Um, I think they should be refocused after that loss. Uh, I'd say the pressure's off them, that they're no longer undefeated. Uh, and like you said, both teams have had weird schedules. I went back and looked. UAB has only played one game since Halloween. Um, so I think that, that Marshall should be able to come out they do have a stud receiver. Um, they should be able to move the ball on UAB, uh, and I think they win by at least a touchdown. Tommy? Yeah, so I thought a lot of those same points that Danny just mentioned, obviously UAB playing one game in the past month and a half concerns me. However, this is UAB's third straight trip to the Conference USC Championship game. You know, Marshall's starting a, a freshman at quarterback who's coming off a game where he threw five picks against Rice, uh, which was, um, you know, a week and a half ago, like you said. The UAB played Rice just a couple days ago this past weekend and squeaked out a win. I'm going to actually take the points. I like Marshall to win the game, but give me UAB getting the five and a half. I could see this game being a three or four point game and uh, you know, UAB being more experienced team, a well-coached team, I think they might, you know, come out solid. I could see Marshall uh, holding on for a, a slight victory here. All right. So I guess I am the tiebreaker. I'm glad we weren't going to be unanimous uh, going on the first one. This game, UAB is a team that just reminds me of how weird this season has been in that I remember back in September when they played Miami and there was some talk about like this US, U, UAB team might have some juice and do they have a chance to push Miami? And they just got the doors blown completely off. Um, you know, looking at their resume, I think their best performance is probably that four-point loss to Louisiana, a team that we'll be talking about later on. Um, ultimately, I, I am going to side with with Dimes on this one. I like uh, a 31-20 to 20 final. Um, so I, I do like Marshall laying the five and a half. 
Uh, I, I tend to lean on the over. I think I saw it in the low 40s. Um, so I, I do like the over a little bit, but again, not, not an official pick here. Um, but, uh, but that's where I'm at. So I guess we'll, we'll leave this game. Danny Dimes, I'll just hit you with a real quick. We are. You're still on mute, but we, we can't hear we can't hear that, anything that you're saying. There we go. There's the marshal. That's a really bad sign. Um, but uh, folks, just know that he did time it up. I could see his mouth moving, and he did time up the "We Are Marshall" properly. Shout out to Kate Mara, uh, really good in the Martian as well. Uh, Friday at 7:30, so some dueling. You're, we got three games all playing at the same time on Friday, uh, but 7:30. We got the MAC. We've got Ball State and Buffalo uh, playing at a neutral site at Ford Field. Um, Tommy, lead us off. So when I first saw this line at Buffalo minus 13 and a half, I was kind of shocked and was basically all ready to make Ball State my play of the weekend. Uh, but just looking at it a little bit more, Buffalo has looked so good against everyone that they've played. They really haven't been challenged. You know, Jared Patterson has been unbelievable on the ground. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to go against my gut reaction and because that line shocked me so much. I'm actually going to go the other way and take Buffalo. Uh, I think they'll just be able to control the ball. Ball State has, has been able to squeak out some wins, but you know, they, they had to come back and score 17 straight points last week against Western Michigan just to, you know, get in, get to this game. Um, I think that magic might run out a little bit, and, you know, Buffalo is just a little bit too solid. So uh, yeah, you, I will roll with us. You mentioned how good Buffalo's been, and their closest game this year, 19-point uh, margin. Uh, that actually happens to be a common opponent with Ball State. Uh, that's Northern Illinois who Ball State only beat by six. Um, and, and again, most of their games have not been nearly as close as 19. You mentioned Jarrett Patterson. Uh, if you're not aware of him at this point, I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast, uh, but averaging over 200 yards per game on the ground. Um, for all the reasons you mentioned before I kick it over to Danny, I, I also like uh, Buffalo laying 13 and a half. I actually, I, I have it at 38-24. So I've got them winning by 14 exactly, but... You know, sometimes you need to you need to go for that razor thin margin. So, uh, so I will be taking Buffalo minus the thirteen and a half as well. Danny, what do you think? Yeah, so this you know I, I've actually watched a fair bit of Maxion this year. Um, you know, I think Buff- this comes down to the running games of, of both teams. Um, you know, Ball State's top running back opted out for this game. I think he's focusing on the uh, on the NFL draft. Uh, whereas you guys have mentioned Patterson a couple times, I, I think he's one of the the top running backs in the nation. Um, Buffalo's averaging almost 350 yards a game on the ground. Um, you know, one thing that I look for is if I'm laying around two touchdowns for a team, uh, is can they put it away with with the running game if they're winning? I think Buffalo definitely can do that. Um, as Steve mentioned, you know they are absolutely blowing out teams. They would have covered this two-touchdown spread against all of their five opponents. Uh, and just one gambling tidbit, uh, if you're able to get seven-point teasers, I would recommend teasing this down to six-and-a-half, um, and then we can talk about a second leg of that later. But um, take a Buffalo minus 13-and-a-half. I don't think you'll need the seven points, but 
it's always nice to have that in your pocket. All right, we've got our first unanimous selection. So anyone playing the uh, the fade unanimous uh, parlay, uh, mark down Ball State as one that you're going to want to hit there, and we'll put a pin in that uh, for the for the uh, for the seven point teaser. Uh, looking around at, at what you might have in store for that one. Uh, there are a few that probably fit the bill there. Uh, and then the last game, Friday night, uh, 8 p.m., uh, all times Eastern, I should note, the Pac-12 championship. All of a sudden, between Oregon and USC being played at the Coliseum, I'll lead us off in this one. Um, it's an interesting game in terms of the mindsets of each team. USC you know, thought they were playing Washington. Um, granted, they didn't have to think that for too long as the Pac-12 came to its senses and, and made a call um, and, and said it's going to be Oregon here. Oregon, who came into this season, even in the shortened season, with probably some playoff aspirations, dropped a couple games, uh, including the rivalry game against uh, Oregon State. So certainly nothing about this season has been positive for Oregon. And all of a sudden, they've got this opportunity to, to be named Pac-12 champs. I think it's just a huge boost for a team that's, you know, didn't play last week. So now they've got this huge prize in front of them. They had the week off. Um, USC has just been playing close game after close game, including last week's uh, tight comeback against UCLA. Given that <laughs> that uh, Arizona lost a game 70-7, to not sure how you can feel good about a USC team that uh, needed a last-second touchdown to... Uh, to beat that team. Granted, they also needed a last second touchdown to beat the team that won 70 to 7. So maybe there's some balancing there. All of this is a very roundabout way of saying, I just don't think this USC team is good enough to go undefeated, even in a shortened season. I like Oregon to pull the slight upset 28 to 27, and therefore give me the three free points because USC tends to play pretty close games, so even if USC wins, I could see this being a one- or two-point win. Give me the three. I doubt I'm doing worse than pushing on that, and I think Oregon wins outright. Danny, what do you think? I know you have a, a very checkered history with betting on Oregon, um, so so uh, so what do you think in this one? That, that's put very nicely, Steve. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest uh, fan of Pac-12 football usually. I think this year is... Certainly a down year for, for the Pac-12. Um, I don't think either of these teams are good. I'll be looking to bet against both of them, depending on their opponents in the in the bowl games. Uh, but for this game, I'll, I'll take Oregon in the three points as well. Um, you know, when I was kind of handicapping this game, I was looking at, you know, public betting percentages and, and where I think the public is going to be in this game. And I think that's going to be all over USC. Um, I think USC is, is the higher profile team. Uh, they're 5-0, and uh, and they're only laying a field goal here against a, a Pac-12 team that has two losses that wouldn't even be here if not for Washington's uh, COVID issues. Um, so I would have thought that the line would be higher, that it's not. Um, I think the, the Vegas odds makers want you to, uh, to be on USC, uh, and I want to be on the side of the the odds makers. So I think you're seeing that with the early money show up. Um, USC is getting over 95% of the money. Uh, and depending on where you look on where the line opened up, it opened between three minus three and minus four for USC. And now it's sitting at minus three. So I think the sharp guys are going to be on Oregon and that's the side I want to be on. Tommy. Yeah. Great minds think alike. I, 
basically have one note for this game and it's fishy. The line is fishy, which is kind of a classic telltale sign of you should take the team that you would expect it to be getting more points or giving more points. You know, Oregon, like you said, Steve, is not even supposed to be in this game. You have a 5-0 and USC going against a 3-2 and Oregon team. You know, I think UCLA is better than Oregon, and USC just came off a, a pretty thrilling win against the UCL, UCLA team. That being said, you know, I think this is a, a rivalry. Oregon will get up for it. You know, they do have some talent. Uh, that can match up with USC. There's no mismatch there. Um, so I'll take the free three points as well. We'll make this the uh, the second unanimous selection. <laughs> we could be looking at a nine-team parlay here to, to evade <laughs> us. It would be a big, big-time payday. All right, we now move to Saturday. Uh, we got two games at noon. Let's start with the Big Ten, uh, Northwestern and Ohio State playing at a neutral site. Danny, what you got? All right, so I'm going to say this up front. I'm I'm going to be very biased on this game. Um, and I think back two years ago uh, to this exact matchup in the championship, uh, and I think that shout was out, my... Shout out to Andrew Bolka's wedding. <laughs> I think that was my single biggest college football gambling win. Um, I you know, had many beverages throughout the day. It became apparent earlier in the day that Kyler Murray was going to steal the Heisman from... <laughs> From Tua, um, so I was going to lose that twelve to one to twelve. Uh, sorry, minus six hundred bet. Um, so yeah, I just bet Ohio State big. Uh, they were down early. I kept loading up on them live. Um, they ended up with uh, uh, the uh, Washington quarterback uh, Dwayne Haskins getting a, a late cover, uh, which is great. Um, but yeah, just getting down to the X and O's of the game. Another reason I like Ohio State, besides the, the bias. Um, I don't think Peyton Ramsey can ex- expose the Ohio State secondary, uh, which Indiana was was clearly able to do. Um, Northwestern's best wins this year have been by one point over Iowa early in the season, uh, and then again um, against Wisconsin, which if you look at what Wisconsin's done lately, hasn't really been that impressive. Uh, they also lost straight up to Michigan State, who's one of the worst teams in that conference. Um, and I think if you're – you know, you want to give Ohio State a run for their money, given how explosive their offense is. You want to keep their offense on the sideline. And I'm not sure that Northwestern's running backs who average four and three yards per carry are going to be able to do that and, and play ball control. Um, I also think Ohio State's going to be looking for some style points. Uh, if I look back this year when they've had time to prepare for a game, so more than one week rest, uh, the offense has scored 52, 42, and 52 points. Um, and if they can average, get somewhere in the high 40s, uh, I don't see Northwestern putting three or four touchdowns on the board. Tommy, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Danny. This is kind of a math game when I'm looking at the spread. Uh, I use the barometer kind of of that Indiana game. Indiana was very impressed with their defense all year. Uh, obviously, Northwestern is getting hyped up and is here because of their defense, but Ohio State was still able to put up 42 points in that game against Indiana on a day when Justin Fields didn't look great and threw three interceptions. Uh, Northwestern has not been impressive, you know, coming off a loss to Michigan State, followed by, you know, an uninspiring effort against a pretty poor Illinois team. 
you know, if they put up 28 against Illinois, you know, good luck putting up any more than that against Ohio State. So, um, you know, I think Ohio State, like Danny said, will be able to score in the high 40s, and, and that's going to allow them to cover the 20 and a half. Yeah, I mean, everything Danny said is exactly what I'm thinking. Um, Ohio State, how often would they come into this game with something to prove? And they do in this one. Um, and I think I think Northwestern, I, I've been saying all year that Ohio State's defense is somewhat vulnerable. This Northwestern offense is not the kind of offense that's going to test them at all. You mentioned it with Peyton Ramsey. He's not necessarily going to be able to make the t- take the deep shots downfield. And I don't see, you know, Isaiah Bowser as being the kind of running back that's going to break off big runs. I mean, two, three yards at a time is not going to get it done. So I'll make it our third unanimous in a row. I like this one 45 to 10. I guess my only concern, is this one too easy? Is the entire public going to be on the Buckeyes here? Because I just, at 20 and a half, I mean, they should win this game by three touchdowns. They should be up They should be up 21 nothing in this game, shouldn't they? I, I don't see, is, is this one, should we be looking from the other side and saying, this one's too easy, let's take the points. You would, you would think so. Uh, I mean, but like I said, I think this is very close to what the line was two years ago, and I don't think Northwestern is that much better on offense than probably it was, or it's probably pretty close on, um, you know, on offense the last two years. Um, yeah, look, I, I, like I said, I like the first part of that teaser with with Buffalo. I love this as a second part to get this under two touchdowns. Um, but I would, I would not be surprised if they win this by thirty-five or more points. Yeah, that's exactly. I think it's going to be 35. Yeah. That's the number I have on it. So, uh, Tommy, anything to add before we move to the big no, club? Just, just don't overthink it. You know, I, I often look at that lens of is this too easy or go against my initial reaction, but I don't think this is one of those spots. All right. We're not going to look guys it. and Simultaneous game uh, in the Big 12, Oklahoma and Iowa State, also at a neutral field. Uh this is a rematch of, uh, of a game earlier in the season. Tommy, uh, kick us off with this one. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be a, a good game. Uh, and I like this Iowa State team. Um, they beat them earlier in the year in, in a close contest, 37-30. Uh, I think they can do it again. It's tough to beat a team twice in the same season. But uh, I like this Iowa State team coached by Matt Campbell. Uh, I actually think this te- this game means more to them. Not that you know Oklahoma doesn't care about winning Big Twelve championships, but typically they're in a position to play this game as a stepping stone into the playoff. Um, I think obviously that that's out the window this year, and this game lose might lose a little bit of a luster. But I think Iowa State will be able to get up for it. You know, behind senior quarterback Brock Purdy, um, I've been impressed with it, what they've been able to do, and I think they keep this game competitive. Um, we, the line's five and a half, so whether they eke out a close win or you know maybe lose by a field goal, I think they're in it, and uh, I'll take take the points. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point that the the playoff isn't there for Oklahoma and doesn't mean as much for them. You know, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure that the playoffs not in play. That's a completely separate conversation and one that I don't really feel interested in diving into because I have stopped trying to apply logic and reason to what the committee does. But I mean I, how much would they have to win by 
to have a realistic shot. Listen, I mean, now, obviously, some stuff would have to happen above them. But you figure if Iowa State is six now, or no, they're five. They're six now. Um, so basically, if if Notre Dame knocks off Clemson, then Iowa State just needs to jump. Texas A&M, which it could certainly do by beating Oklahoma and by then being crowned Big 12 champion. So for Oklahoma to make that jump, even though they're jumping from much further away, wouldn't the Oklahoma resume be exactly the same as Iowa State's resume with a win? Like right now they're separated by like four places. But if Oklahoma wins this game versus Iowa State winning this game, don't they like have identical resumes? They would, but I I just feel like it'd be tough to take a two-loss Big 12 champion when the Big 12 has been so awful in these playoffs. I I don't I don't disagree. I just I'm not sure that I can fully get on board with those inside the Oklahoma locker room thinking they have no chance at a playoff. Um, but other otherwise, I think that's a good point. That's just why I wanted to bring that up because I'm I'm not so sure that I'm sold on that as a premise. What I will say, um, I, I incorrectly picked Oklahoma. Uh, in the first matchup of this game, um, where Oklahoma was a six and a half point favorite on the road at Iowa State, um, the crowd was, despite being a limited crowd, the crowd was a factor in that game. Um, Oklahoma lost by seven, but certainly felt like they let it slip away multiple times throughout that game. And most importantly, I think Oklahoma's improved since that game. Um, in, in Spencer Rattler's first three games, he threw four interceptions. He's only thrown three interceptions in the six games since that Iowa State loss. So ultimately, I just kind of feel like I'm getting a free point and the game's being played at a neutral site instead of on the road. So I think Oklahoma's the better team. I like them to win this game by a touchdown. So I'm laying the five and a half in this one. I'm saying 31 to 24 Sooners. Danny, uh, you're going to be the tiebreaker in this one. Yeah, so as I go through these, you know, the 10 matchups, I'd say this is the pick I struggled with the most, and I kind of flip-flopped on both sides. Uh, I could see kind of multiple scenarios playing out. Um, Ultimately, I'm going to take the points, um, the five and a half with Iowa State. Uh, It does scare me a little bit that the higher-rated team is getting points. That usually doesn't work out too well. Um, You know, if you look back at Oklahoma's Big 12 title game, you know, resume over the last couple years, they have won each of these games by at least a touchdown. Although last year's game against Baylor was very close, and I think Baylor was on their third-string quarterback at some point in that game, and it went to overtime. Um, But I do think this is the worst Oklahoma team that Lincoln Riley's had uh, at his time here. Um... I really do think this is a field goal game either way. Uh, I trust the the threesome that Iowa State has on offense of Purdy Hall and their tight end Kohler, who I think is one of the, the best tight ends in the country. Uh, I think they can move the chains and, and kind of keep Rattler off the field for, for periods of time. Uh, I'm a little more confident in the over. I, I think both teams can score, and I could see both teams getting to the high 20s, low 30s. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Iowa State. First meeting produced 67 points between these two. I, I think you probably see a similar number in this in this game. 
Good, good tip there. And you know, you're just spitting hot fire. This was our first, uh, this is our first siren in the background in quite a while. I don't know how clearly that was coming through on the audio, but uh, not, uh, not getting as many of those at the, uh, at the new digs, but uh, certainly an extended one there. I'm also just producing on the fly here. I just have a feeling Tommy's going to be coming in much quieter than uh, myself and, and Danny throughout this entire show. So Tommy, maybe just speak louder than you have been because uh, I am a little bit concerned. I, I know that we're already halfway through, so <laughs> I'm a little bit afraid that people are going to be listening to this saying, yeah, we haven't been able to hear Tommy for the first uh, 25 minutes. But uh, anyway, just uh, try to speak up. The AirPods, you know, you might think you're fancy and you look cool. They're just not, uh, they're not great for that, that clear audio. So uh, anyway, with that, uh, Danny's the tiebreaker. So the, the consensus pick is Iowa State. Uh, just glad that we don't have another uh, glad we don't have another uh, unanimous one because there's just no way those are gonna go well for us. Um, that siren's coming in loud and clear. Yeah, geez, I just I, I, I don't know. I'm ten floors up. I'm not on a major major street. You would think you would think that this would not be happening, but uh, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's gone. And listen, hopefully everyone involved with the emergency uh, comes out of this. Okay, Saturday at 3.30, Sunbelt Championship, Louisiana at Coastal Carolina. Uh, The first matchup, uh, this is another, this is another uh, rematch. First matchup, I believe was on a Wednesday night, if I remember correctly. It was a back and forth exciting game. Coastal Carolina was the underdog in this one, won the game 30 to 27. Um, but you know, this Louisiana team is strong. They, they beat Iowa state seven by 17 points to open the season. So they're definitely a a real contender. I don't know. Um, I should, I should note that, uh, that coastal is favored by three and a half in this one. Um, until last week we were riding the chance, uh, until they failed to cover, which they finally did fail to cover. I think this is going to be a really close game. I think these are two evenly matched teams. Um, ultimately, I think Coastal will win the game. I like them winning 24-21. to 21, But I think the, the hook on that three, I like Louisiana here. So I am riding with Louisiana plus three and a half. Although I do think the Shunts managed to get the outright win at home. Uh, Danny, what do you got in this one? First, I'll say that this is your most surprising pick to me, knowing that you've, uh, of your wins this year, uh, ATS, probably half of them come uh, betting on Coastal Carolina. So uh, it does scare me a little bit uh, to be on the opposite side of you. Uh, And I've kind of taken the opposite stance. I I think over the last month and a half, I've expected regression from Coastal and pretty much bet against them every week. And that was not profitable until uh, Troy was able to cover uh, and take them down to the wire last week. Um, you know, I look back at this kind of the box score b- between the uh, first matchup between these two teams. Uh, Coastal won this first meeting by a field goal. Now, usually I'm big on revenge spots. However, you know, if you do look back the last two years, Louisiana has had a chance to atone a regular season loss um, to App State in the championship game, and they've fallen flat both times. So I'm not sure how how often they get up for, um, you know, how much the coach kind of motivates them in these revenge spots. Uh, I think actually the opposite may happen, that it may be a bit of a letdown spot for Louisiana. They finally got the monkey off their back last game by beating App State. 
Um, so, so you may see a little, a little bit of a letdown. Um, I do trust Coastal to, to kind of control the clock like they did the first meeting. Uh, they had a, nearly 40 minutes in time of possession. Uh, I think it'll be a close game, but ultimately I, I see Coastal covering the three and a half. Tommy? Yeah, I'll, I'll break the tie here and I'll go with Danny Dimes on this one. Um, I thought this was a very tough game. This was one that I went back and forth on. You know, I'm impressed with Louisiana. You know, they've been successful in the Sun Belt the last few years, you know, have been to this spot. Um, they also have a, a week off, which, and with Coastal having to play Troy last week, their coach was, was complaining a bit about that, which uh, I feel like you probably should just keep your mouth shut and play, play the games. Um, but that aside, I do think that the Coastal team has been very impressive this year and, you know, they're going to come ready to kind of finish this mission and, and get the league championship. Um, so I like them to win. And I think the three and a half is small enough that uh, they'll be able to, to cover it late. Um, the, the bet actually, I'll just mention that I, I prefer in this game is I like the over. Uh, I do think there'll be points scored. It's two teams with, with great quarterbacks who can manufacture drives. Um, it sits at 55 right now. I could see both teams, you know, hitting 27, 30 pretty easily. So uh, that's my preferred bet in this game. And, you know, in these rematches, so much of it just comes down to adjustments from game one to game two. I just want to give you credit for making a nice audio adjustment there, coming in a little bit louder than you had been previously. So good job with that one. Speaking of rematches and games where adjustments may or may not be necessary, um, boy, ACC championship, uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, part two in Charlotte, uh, we were we were all together for the first one. It was uh, one of the more special memories. Special, one of the more special memories of my life. Um, Danny, why don't you get us started with this one? What's your take? Clemson is favored by ten and a half in the rematch. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, that was uh, that was an epic night out, boys. Um, hopefully, we can repeat that. Uh, so, yeah, I. Um, you mentioned, obviously, everyone that's listening to this podcast knows this is a, a huge revenge game. Um, that was the – was that the first regular season loss that Clemson had in, like, 30-something games? It was. Yeah. Um, ultimate motivation here, Clemson wins. They're in the playoff. They lose. They don't really have any debate to get in. Um, I think that Notre Dame is going to – keep this competitive enough where I don't think Notre Dame needs a win to get in the playoff. They just need to avoid getting blown out. Um, one thing I'm curious when you guys give your take is your thoughts on the Notre Dame defensive coordinator leaving. Uh, I know he'll, he'll obviously play out the season, but how does that impact the, you know, his, his defense knowing that their coach is, is leaving after this year. Um, you know, if you look at Clemson's last two games since they got Lawrence back, uh, they're averaging 50 points a game. Now, obviously, Pitt and Virginia Tech's defense are, are not up to the standards that, that Notre Dame is, but Pitt has a pretty good front four. Uh, Virginia Tech's defense is not as great. Um, they're not going to put up those types of numbers against Notre Dame's defense, but I do think that they can get into the high 30s 
uh, and cover the the ten and a half. Um, another case for for betting Clemson is the reverse line movement that we've seen in this game. Uh, Notre Dame's getting seventy five percent of the money. The line opened at seven and a half for Clemson and is up to ten and a half. So that tells me that the the sharp guys are, are on Clemson, which is uh, which is driving this this point spread higher. So sorry, what is, what was the ultimate uh, pick? Clemson minus ten and a half. <laughs> and just as an aside, while um, I was giving my take, I did have a nickel on the Clemson basketball under one twenty eight. And they lost sixty six to sixty. So that is a winner. Awesome. Thank you. Did, did this just go final? It literally went final ten seconds ago. Congratulations. This is very, very exciting. That's a great start to the next. There you go. I, I, had, I had Virginia Tech minus one and a half, so that's a double winner. All right, double double winner. The team here. Let's keep it rolling. And and I haven't gotten sick from the undercooked pork chops yet. So that's that's a three team <laughs> that's a three team parlay right there. Uh, Tommy, what do you think? Uh, someone a little bit, a little bit closer to this, maybe than than Danny Dimes. Uh, do you have more faith in the Irish? Yeah, it's always a tough one, you know, capping Notre Dame games and betting with my head versus my heart. I think the ten and a half is the right number. When you think back to when they played a few weeks ago, the number was about six and a half. It was in South Bend, no Trevor Lawrence. You had a couple of points for home field advantage, even with reduced fans. A couple of points for Lawrence and, and getting to that 10.5 is, is about right to me. Um, you know, like Danny said, I, I think Clemson's going to come out and fire. Um, I think Notre Dame can keep it competitive, but I'm not sure that they can – get two outright wins um, or even keep it close enough to get in the number. So if I had to make a pick, I'm going to take Clemson and and lay the 10 and a half, but I really like the under in this game. Um, Given the high scoring game that they played the last time, double overtime, several explosive plays. I mean, Notre Dame scored a touchdown on their first play with a 65 yard run from Williams. I think, those are going to be limited. The defensive scheme, I think, definitely changes with Lawrence under center versus DJ. Um, so I actually, I really like the under. And something else that crossed my mind, whether this is, you know, scientific or, or mathematic or not, but Dabo has been very uh, outspoken in the press uh, that he believes Notre Dame and Clemson both deserve to kind of be in the, in the top four um, as two of the four best teams. I don't think he's going to be in a position to, you know, run it up or, or really keep the gas on, on late. So, um, you know, in a, in a two score game um, that's late, I'd like the number to stay under the, the 61. Yeah, I like that under a little bit as well, sitting right around 60 right now. Anecdotally, it just seems matchups or uh, rematches are, are often lower scoring um, than, than the original. You know, uh, I'm sitting here with two of you both taking Clemson. Uh, I think a lot of you have hit on the key points about what's different from one matchup to the other. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence 
um, is a big difference. And and despite the fact that DJ Uyunglele, and I noticed neither of you even tried to say it, so you're both wimps. Um, <laughs> not, not a chance. Despite yeah, the fact leave, that leave, he, leave it to the professional. Despite the fact that he set the passing record against Notre Dame in the first matchup, there were several third down, like you know, third seven, third and nine type plays where. Uh, where Clemson failed to convert, probably in in a situation where Lawrence either makes the accurate throw or maybe even you know changes the protections or checks into a play that's going to get them to play, I do think that that makes a big difference. And then just some of the injury changes. Obviously, uh, defensive tacker, tackle Tyler Davis was out for Clemson. Linebacker James Skalski was out. A couple other guys out. It's not just so much that they're going to be back, but. The combination of, of Davis and Skalski being back when Notre Dame has lost their starting center in Jarrett Patterson, two separate Jarrett Patterson mentions of two different guys on this podcast. What a parlay that would be. But Notre Dame uh, starting center, you know, a Remington Award uh, candidate is is out for this game. And the replacement is either going, it's going to be one of two guys, each of whom who have made one career start at center, uh, one of whom is coming off a high ankle sprain. I actually think it's going to be Josh Lugg, whose who's best position is tackle, second best position is guard, and will probably be starting at center in this game. So when you go head-to-head with adding Davis back to the defensive front for Clemson and replacing Jared Patterson at center for Notre Dame, I definitely think that is a concern, especially when the key to Notre Dame winning the first matchup was the offensive line. You're now taking away the biggest part of that original advantage, and I do think it's going to be harder for Notre Dame to uh, to duplicate its performance from the first game. Danny, you mentioned uh, Clark Lee, the defensive coordinator, getting the Vanderbilt job. There are a few guys that I would trust more than Lee to handle his business, um, but at the same time, it's impossible to say that there's no impact at all. Because even if... You know, this week, it's the kind of week he could be spending 24 hours at his office. Even if it's a situation where he's just like, you know, his his, his wife sends him like a house on Zillow and says, what do you think of this? And he spends 10 minutes looking at it. I mean, something as stupid as that, any little bit, any conversation about it takes away from what ultimately would go into preparing for this game. So again, I'm not saying it's going to be a big difference, but I do think that it's another thing. And, you know, moving from Notre Dame Stadium, not a huge crowd, but a crowd that would have made something of a difference. That's another thing. So all of these things add up in Clemson's favor. Um, I expect this to be a pretty competitive game, too. I will also be laying the ten and a half with the Tigers. Uh, Ultimately, I think this one ends up being thirty five to twenty one. Hopefully, you know, the, the improvement that we've seen in Notre Dame's office offense really since that that last drive of regulation against Clemson right up through um, really the most recent game against Syracuse. Hopefully we see more of that. I just think this is going to be a really motivated Clemson team. I expect it to be close the whole way, but again, 14-point loss doesn't necessarily mean it's a blowout at all, um, and I, I do think we'll, uh, we'll be seeing both of these teams again in the playoffs, and we might even be seeing a, three-peat, uh, a, a, a third matchup. Um, between between the uh, between the two, so I thought, it was, I thought it was interesting that you liked the under. I mean, if you think back to to that game, um, obviously you're going to have a, a big. Up, no matter how good DJ is, Lawrence is the best quarterback in the nation. So you have a big upgrade at, at quarterback for Clemson, um, 
Etienne, no matter how good Notre Dame's defense is, is going to perform much better than he did in that first matchup. And if you think back, Notre Dame left a lot of points on the field. I mean, they had, was it the false start at the goal line where they had to kick a field goal instead of yeah. punching for seven? Book fumbled in the end zone. Yeah, so, so they, they they essentially left 15 points on the field, one with the false start, another with a dropped pass in the end zone, both of which led to field goals, and then the fumble for the touchdown. Now, you then sort of have to subtract their final touchdown because – if Book scores the touchdown where he fumbled, then they're not doing a 90-second a, a offense trying to score late in the game. So a little bit of balancing there. I, I get where you're coming from, um, but at the same time, you know, is Notre Dame going to score 14 points off of, of a 65-yard run and a, a fumble interception for a touchdown? So I think that's where you get some of those points back. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I certainly I don't think the number is crazy, but I, I would... Uh, what my total uh, my total I guess is is fifty six. So I, I don't think it's much under, but I but I do like the under as well. Tommy, you trying to jump yeah, in with something? Well, you just mentioned uh, the key players that Clemson gets back. I think will make a difference with Clemson slowing down Notre Dame's offense, and then the scheme the scheme will change, right? I think Notre Dame went into the last game forcing. DJ Uwe Ungalale to beat them, you know, through the air and, and shut down Etienne. They can't take that approach with Lawrence under center or else he'll, he'll shred them apart. Um, so I think there's going to be some adjustments. Hopefully that will limit some of the, the explosive passing plays that Clemson did have in the last one. And, you know, I, I do just like this, uh, this game to stay under the total. All right, Saturday at 4.15. I can't say I plan to watch a single second of this game, but the Mountain West Championship between Boise State and San Jose State. Tommy, you want to lead us off in this one? Sure. So I went with Boise State here, laying six and a half. This is another one that's almost too easy, Um, but I'm going to stick to my guns. I like the Broncos. San Jose State probably should have lost last weekend to Nevada. Uh, they ended up winning 30 to 20, but there were some, some fluky plays in that one um, that got them the victory. Boise State dealt with injuries earlier in the year, have gone through multiple quarterbacks, but I think they're, they're finally starting to get healthy. Um, they won a close game last week against Wyoming in a, you know, snowball essentially. Um, I think they'll be able to come out here and, and put some points on the board and ultimately cover uh, the six and a half. One thing to note about San Jose State is that given the you know COVID restrictions specifically in, in the Bay Area, I'm not sure that they've even been back to campus and practicing. No, they, they've so they've been essentially been on the road for you know a, over a month at this point. Um, which just continues to, to wear on you, no matter uh, who you are. Um, well, what better so place to find? What better place to find yourself after a tumultuous month or so than than landing right in Las Vegas? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I, I think that adds up. I also think you know whether it's a distraction or not. Like you were talking about with Lee, their coach has been you know talked about in connection with the Arizona job potentially. So whether his mind is elsewhere and he's kind of splitting focus. Um, Give me Boise State, who's kind of the class of the Mountain West, um, now that they're finally healthy. and Give me them to win this game and 
you're looking for another teaser leg, taking this from, you know, six and a half, even to six point teaser down to down to a half. I really like uh, three quick things and then I'll clear the floor for Danny. First, I just want to go back to something from the Notre Dame Clemson game that I forgot to say. Probably forgot to say it because I happened to just hear Reese Davis mention it about 25 minutes ago. And I have not done any background on this fact, but an interesting fact in Clemson's favor. This is apparently the uh, the fourth ever rematch among AP top five teams where they've been top five at the time of both games being played. Uh, and in the previous three, the loser from the first game went on to win the second game by a wide margin in all three. So just uh, a quick note there. Note number two, uh, Nevada is pronounced in Nevada, not Nevada. I just, there are some, uh, there are some Nevada people out there that they care about how their, uh, their state is pronounced. So I'm just here to set the record straight there. And thirdly, on this game, uh, you probably both, Tommy certainly said more intelligent things than I will say, and I assume Danny will as well. So I'll just clear the floor. This seemed like a really tough one for me to pick. Ultimately, I'm rolling with San Jose State. I actually think they win the game outright 28 to 27. So give me, uh, I'll take the six and a half points to play with, and I will take San Jose State. Great. Thanks, Steve. Um, so, yeah, just one of my kind of gambling rules uh, I don't always stick to, but I feel like it always comes back to bite me when I don't. When Vegas sets a line at six and a half, I don't trust the favorite. For some reason, why don't they just make it seven? They know the public is going to be all over the, you know, Boise's a much more well-known team with the blue turf uh, and everything. This line opened at nine. You have the more popular team dropping two and a half points down to six and a half. Um, I've watched both of these teams a decent amount. So clearly you can see that I like watching these uh, after dark games, whether it's to uh, to chase my wins or my losses late night. Um, from what I can recall seeing on both of these teams, um, I trust Starkle, the quarterback at San Jose State, more than I trust Bachmeyer um, for Boise. Um, you know, this is not the same Boise team that many have come to to expect. Uh, the more well known Boise teams. Um, you know, I was reading a stat before that that San Jose State is 24th in the nation in pass explosiveness, where Boise on defense is 124th in the nation at stopping passing explosiveness. Um, I don't exactly know how that's defined, whether that's passes over 15, over 20, over 30 yards, but I know it's probably something you should be good at on offense <laughs> and you want to go against a team that's bad at on defense. Uh, so I do think San Jose State, San Jose State keeps it within a score, and I think it's worth a, a bit of a sprinkle on the money line. We're, uh, we're certainly in alignment there. Um, and then we get into uh, the two night games on Saturday night. Let's start in the American Athletic Conference, uh, Tulsa playing at Cincinnati. Cincinnati has not played since November 21st. Um, I've always, kind of this whole season, I've been a little uncertain about Cincinnati, mostly because the week after Notre Dame beat South Florida 52 to nothing, Cincinnati was playing South Florida. And I was like, okay, this is free money. Let's lay like the 27 and a half or whatever. And they only won 28 to seven, which, you know, it's, it's a convincing win. But after what I saw from South Florida, I was like, man, Cincinnati can't be that good if they only won 28 to seven. And then from the Tulsa side of things, 
since it was so early in the season, I, I watched most of that game against Oklahoma State, which was a pretty ugly game through the lens of if you were just looking at Oklahoma State as a contender and Tulsa as just a random team, it was ugly. In hindsight, I think, you know, the the seeds were definitely there that, that Tulsa was a solid team um, right, right off the bat there. And since he hasn't played any real upper echelon teams to this point, so... I see this 14-point spread, and that just seems way too much. Um, I do think Cincinnati is going to win this game. I like it at 31-21, to 21, so a 10-point spread. But I just, 14, I don't see it being, I mean, that's it's another one where it just kind of seems like a push at worst. Um, so I definitely like Tulsa plus the 14, um, but but Cincinnati winning, winning the game outright. Uh, Danny, what do you think of this one? So I, uh, I've placed one bet so far on the weekend, and it is in this game. So uh, my favorite bet of the weekend, having <laughs> having done some you know research on both teams and watched a couple of games on both of them, I love the first half, Cincinnati laying seven and a half. Um, I have a couple of stats to back that up, um, but maybe just high level for those that haven't seen Cincinnati, I think they're a really good team. Um, they have one of the best defenses in the nation. Uh, Marcus Freeman is, is a name you probably haven't heard, but he is Notre Dame. Notre Dame fans have heard it. If they're reading articles about who the new DC might be. (laughs) Okay. Well, I hope you guys get him. Uh, yeah, I think he's a, he really is an up and coming coach. Um, you know, in the era of kind of wide open football in college, uh, you know, Cincinnati's defense is probably one of the most trustworthy in the nation. Um, you know, I went back and dug up the, first half scores for Cincinnati um, and for teams of similar ranking that Tulsa is Cincinnati in the first half was up by 25. They were up by 14. They were up by 11, up by 18, up by 25. They've led at halftime of all of their games. Conversely, Tulsa is a slow, very, very slow starter um, against Navy who we saw was putrid this past weekend Tulsa was only up by three. Um, Tulsa was scoreless at halftime with Tulane. They were down 17 at against SMU at half, down 14 against East Carolina, and down 11 at UCF. Um, you know, they ha- are notorious for coming back in the second half, which scares me a little bit on the Cincinnati side. Um, I'm still going to take Cincinnati with the 14 because I think they're going to build up enough of a first half lead where I think they could, their defense will carry them in the second half. Um, and I think since he honestly feels a bit disrespected in the rankings, um, you know, Ritter's really improved this year. Uh, I think they're out to prove a point and I could see them winning this by, I'm going to say they'll be up 14 to 17 at halftime. And I see them winning by three touchdowns. Now is this first half lock? Would you say it's on the same level as the Bucknell plus six and a half? Uh, first half against Michigan State in what was it the 2018 NCAA tournament? Uh, it is it is so tough to compare football versus uh, college basketball. It was proclaimed the lock of the century, and it and it hit. Um, well, the thing is, I'm I'm sober for this proclamation. I don't remember if I was at that point. Uh, well, to be clear, I was the one who made the proclamation about football, oh, okay. <laughs> and I can also tell you that I wasn't sober. But uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Tommy, would you like to uh, would you like to weigh in here, and then do you also want to potentially call any of our service academies putrid um, in the process? 
I'll, I'll refrain from the latter, but I, I will be able to give you some, some thoughts on the game. Uh, ultimately, I've been a fan of this Cincy team all year. I've impre- been impressed by Fickle. Obviously, we mentioned Freeman, but Fickle has done a great job as, as the head coach of this team. I really like Ritter, their quarterback, kind of a dual threat guy who's been able to stretch the field with his arm and his legs. 14 is a tough number, especially when I look at the over-under being 46.5. That's a low total to then go ahead and lay two touchdowns. If I'm forced to pick a side, I do think I'm going to lean Cincinnati ultimately. Uh, they're playing this game at home. You know, they. I have been impressed with them, and um, I will ultimately lay the points. I definitely expect them to win. One thing that that will scare me is that uh, you know they have burned me winning games and not covering in the past. Um, one of my worst beats of the, of the year, I think, was Cincinnati versus UCF when they were giving four and they were inside the five, and their the uh, running back tried to do the the latest trend of the NFL, which is just falling down the one yard line instead of scoring, and it almost came back to bite him when a bad snap could have been returned for the other way for the victory. But that being said, hopefully they can redeem themselves here and uh, hold on and, and cover for the win. That's why you take the first half. You won't even have to sweat out the game. <laughs> and, and that brings us to the SEC championship. Um, Alabama and Florida playing on a neutral field. We you know, this this is not one we have to dig too deep to uh, to have any stats or know anything about the players. So, Danny, what do you uh, what do you think of this one? Alabama and Florida. Florida is getting 17 points here. Does anybody know if Pitts is playing? I'm pretty certain that he is. I I can't. I don't know for sure, but certainly, I my analysis assumes that he is playing. Okay. Um, yeah, my. This this will probably be the most fun game to watch, particularly if you take my advice and just bet the over. Um, you know, these are two of the top four quarterbacks in the nation. Um, you know, they're going to be playing in a dome in New Orleans, which is only going to help points when you don't have to worry about weather. Um, these guys are, are first and sixth in the nation in passing yards per game. Uh, Bama's averaging fifty points a game. Uh, Florida's averaging forty-one. Florida hasn't been held under 31 all year. I know Bama is probably the best defense that they've played. Um, But, I mean, Bama's offense is just lethal. I can't see Florida getting many stops in this game. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to slow down this Alabama offense at all. Um, You know, I think especially after last week, now that Mac Jones is the Heisman favorite, I think he was a slight underdog to Trask going into last week. They did blow out Arkansas, but Mac Jones's stats last week were pretty pedestrian. I think Saban's going to make it a point to try to get him his stats and and lock up the Heisman. Um, I really think that the cover part is going to be pretty close. Like I said, I love the over. I'm going to take Florida plus the 17. Just thinking late in the game, maybe they're down 14, maybe they're down 21. But if they're down 21... Um, you have a first-round quarterback against a prevent defense, um, you know, with a chance for a backdoor cover. And, and this is also Florida Super Bowl. I mean, they're they're not going anywhere or 
to any meaningful uh, you know, playoff bowl. Um, so uh, I think that they'll they'll take this game seriously, especially after coming off a brutal, brutal loss to uh, LSU last week. Tommy, what do you think? Yeah, I'm ultimately going to be on the same side as, as Danny with Florida getting 17. I think the line is a little bit inflated and you're getting a few free points of value because of the LSU game this past weekend. Uh, you know, had they won, I think this is a little t- tighter and then I'm more inclined to take Bama, but Florida's going to have no trouble getting up for this game. You know, they were probably looking ahead, you know, looking past LSU a little bit, unfortunately, which which probably cost them last week. But uh, they'll be able to, to put up some points on their own. Um, my suggestion kind of off the beaten path for this game is that you, if you have access to live lines, I actually like Florida live early. I fully expect Alabama to come out and get an early lead in the first quarter. If you can grab Florida plus, you know, 20 or 21, I, I would hammer that because um, I do think uh, the back door will be wide open and, you know, they can potentially put up some second half points against an Alabama defense that isn't as good as, as what they've had historically. Um, so that's my take. Yeah, you guys have hit on a lot of the key points. I mean, Florida's offense is really, really good. Um, in the LSU situation, the fact that Kyle Pitts didn't play and it seemed like he probably could have, I think just speaks to the idea that the entire team was just very clearly overlooking LSU and focusing solely on this Alabama team. So I think we sort of can just throw out that performance and say that, you know, they were not prepared to play that game and should be prepared to play this one. Now, whether they can make the playoff or not, it's been made very clear that the SEC championship means so much to these teams that I don't think there should be any concern about the Gators being up for this one. And I still sort of think they might have a playoff chance with a win, given that this committee has made it very clear in the past that good wins far and away outweigh bad losses. So I think they still have a chance. I would be 100% sure that actually the people in that building believe they have a chance. So I think they come out, the the LSU game really doesn't change anything for me in terms of how I look at this matchup, other than, as Tommy said, I think we're getting a couple free points on this line. Uh, I'm with Danny in liking the over. I actually have this getting up to 80. Um, And I'm I'm with Danny on on Nick Saban maybe maybe putting up some more Heisman stats. I just think you got the wrong guy. It's going to Devontae Smith, whether it be catching passes or returning punts. But ultimately, I'm going to make this one unanimous. I like this one to be 45-35. Um, I, I think that Alabama wins, but I, I think I don't even think it's going to be a backdoor situation. I just think Florida is going to sort of be in this game the whole way. Alabama's defense is not going to be good enough to stop this Florida offense, which is arguably the second best in the country uh, when all is said and done. So, so I'm with you guys on this one, and just looking at the list. We've got five unanimous here. We might have to do a little... Uh, now, I will not put Clemson in this parlay, but we, <laughs> mi- we might have to do a, a four-teamer with, with Buffalo, Oregon, Ohio State, and Florida. We can, uh, we can discuss that offline in just a moment. But just to recap for, uh, for those keeping score at home. So we do have the five unanimous picks of Buffalo, Oregon, Ohio State, Clemson, and Florida. Uh, and the consensus picks 
Uh, if you wanna if you wanna play the ten team consensus scoop and score parlay, we've got Marshall, Buffalo, Oregon, Ohio State, Iowa State, Coastal Carolina, Clemson, San Jose State, Cincinnati, and Florida. Uh, the Lone Wolves on a couple of those. I know Tommy. Tommy is uh, is alone on uh, whoever the hell Marshall's playing. Um, UAB. Yeah, I'm I'm alone on Oklahoma. I'm alone on Louisiana. Uh, am I alone on uh, no? Uh, I I Tommy's alone on Boise State. Um, and uh, oh, I'm in the and, consensus with everything. And I'm and I'm alone on and I'm alone on Tulsa. So uh, so mostly mostly when it comes to being a lone wolf, it's me, and I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I think that was I think we brought a lot of good information to the people. Um, anything? Uh, oh, and of course the the lock of the week from uh, from Danny Dimes, the first half Cincinnati minus seven and a half. Any parting thoughts about this week's games? Just about life in general, or anything that uh, that either of you want to say on the way out? I'm, I'm knocking on wood as I say this. Just know when you're watching the games on Friday that three months from Friday is opening day of March Madness. So that should hopefully bring a smile to all of our faces. Okay, so you're saying in terms of the day, like the twenty, the eighteenth, the eighteenth is okay. Got it. Yes. Yeah, that is uh, that is. Let's we'll, we'll do two knocks. Two-handed knocks on wood for that one, uh, Tommy. Other than that, yeah, go Cincinnati first half, and uh, hopefully we all can make some money. Tommy, you got anything new uh, to send us off? No, I just want to say uh, thanks for having us, Steve. It's it's always a pleasure, and you know, especially in this this weird year that we've had with with COVID, it's been nice to have some football as a distraction, and uh, hopefully, people have enjoyed our our wisdom and can make some money this weekend there you have it folks responsibly right from the words of tommy vegas himself the scoop and score podcast is getting this nation through a global pandemic thank you very much and uh and we'll see you next week that concludes the scoop and score podcast everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it i award you no points and may god have mercy on your soul